feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. Dom and Chris here, and uh, today we are starting a new block of episodes regarding some of the greatest and wackiest NFL playoff games, which will lead right into our live podcast on February 12th of the big game, the if big you know game. what I'm talking about. So uh, stay tuned for that. That'll be at the screening room February 12th. And uh, please follow us on all our social media accounts and watch our videos. We're producing some really quality content down here at Engel Studio for all your recording needs here in Tucson. And Chris, we already talked about an amazing comeback on January 5th, 2003 in the NFC wildcard game. There was another one in the AFC that took place earlier that day. And it was just as crazy, a little less controversial. Less controversial, but it sent 15-year-old Dom into a Franzia drinking binge. Out of joy. Which we all love. Which we all love. We got the Steelers versus the Browns, which in this era was an actual rivalry and actual competition between them so what's weird with this rivalry as a Steelers fan is they're separated by like for those of you in Tucson less than Tucson and Phoenix Mm -hmm. just off the down the turnpike basically and unfortunately despite geographic you know being near each other Every time one of the teams was good, the other team was so god awful. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't this, it was a rivalry in terms of the cities not liking each other, but the teams really never. But the met games a lot. weren't great. The games weren't great either. Yeah. It was ugly football, especially when both teams were dog shit. Yep. But um, in 2002, I'll get into the Browns first. Let's All start right. off with the Browns. So from 99 to 2000, because 99 they reappear in the NFL after they went away and went to Baltimore. Um, they go 5-27 and 27 those first two seasons under head coach Chris Palmer. However, after Palmer is fired, they make a great hiring in 2001 with Butch Davis, who rebuilt Miami. And that U Part 2 on ESPN, you guys should check that out. He was a heck of a college football coach. Um, they start to improve in 2001 by going 7-9, and they had four one-score losses that season. So they're actually a competitive bunch heading into 2002 um, because – their quarterback, Tim Couch, is healthy. Go check out our Tim Couch episode, everybody. And they lost, much like the year before, some utterly ridiculous games. Week one, they lost because Dwayne Rudd took his helmet off after a missed field goal or yes, after a sack. So they got, yes, that one was insane. It was bizarre. And then in week four against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, they end up losing in overtime because they block a field goal because it wasn't on fourth down. The ball didn't cross the line of scrimmage, and the Steelers recovered, so they got to try oh, yeah. again. Oh, yeah. Jeez. They start the season four and five, but they start reeling off wins, a lot of which was due to their offensive coordinator, Bruce Arians, who was a Super Bowl winner later in Pittsburgh, a Super Bowl head coach in Tampa Bay. With the great Satan himself. And they win five of their last seven games, um, including a Week 17 game against the Atlanta Falcons and Michael Vick 24-16. But it comes at great cost because Tim Couch breaks his leg. Yep, He made it the whole damn season, Chris. He could have made the playoffs. So they have to roll with backup 
veteran Hel- Kelly Holcomb, and they make the playoffs at nine and seven. And this was probably Couch's best year as a pro. Went eight and six as a starter, sixty-one point six completion percentage, over twenty-eight hundred yards, eighteen touchdowns. Rookie William Green on the ground and uh, as a pass catcher had a thousand yards uh, from scrimmage and six touchdowns. Uh, Jamel White, their pass catching back, had uh, four hundred seventy yards um, uh, rushing and four hundred fifty-two receiving, and they had. Four really good receivers. I was going to say, they had a really great receiving and core. And that's what you which, see in every Bruce Arians offense, too. <laughs> yes. It's not just one or two weapons, but they literally had a, a, a four out where you saw it as throughout the season as them being like, oh, this is like a really good offense. You and then, can't cover everyone. Yes. Um, Kevin Johnson um, was their leading receiver, uh, 703 yards and four touchdowns. Quincy Morgan, uh, who actually followed Arians to Pittsburgh in 2005, had 964 receiving yards and seven TDs. And then our guy from the U of A, who will bring up in this game, both good and bad, Dennis Northcutt, 601 yards receiving, five touchdowns. And then uh, Andre Davis, uh, 470 yards and six TDs. A couple of decent tight ends and Mark Logan and Steve Hyden. And then uh, a veteran offensive line. Sean O'Hara, Ross Verba, Ryan Tucker, Barry Stokes, and Dave Wollabaugh. Special so, teams was good, too, for him. I was uh, going to say, they have a good team going. They here. have a good 9-10 win team. Yes. And it's a younger team um, outside of really their um, O-line. Uh, Davis had a kick return TD in over 1,000 yards. And then Northcutt had two TDs off punt returns. Phil Dawson was their kicker. He kicked for 20, 25 years in the league. Yes. Just very Mr. Consistency. And then Chris Gardaki, another veteran, good punter. Defensively, they ran a 4-3 under Foge Fazio, who we'll bring up in this game. Kennard uh, Lang, five and a half sacks. Courtney Brown, former number one pick in 2000, unfortunately lost for the year due to injury. Uh, rookie or second-year guy Gerard Warren uh, up the middle was their best player with two sacks. And former Steeler Orpheus Roy was there. Um, their linebackers, they had uh, in the middle... Uh, one of my favorite players as a kid, uh, he had just come over actually from Pittsburgh after the previous season. Earl Holmes led the team in oh, tackle. Yeah. The hit man, they called him. 128, um, Darren Hambrick, and then, of course, Dwayne Rudd, who was a good linebacker despite the uh, helmet incident. Um, on the back end, you had uh, Devin Bush Sr. and Earl Little. Um, also, um, Robert Griffith, former Aztec, wanted to bring that up. And... Uh, uh, Dalen McCutcheon over a corner. Um, they ranked, uh, I believe, tenth in points, sixteenth in points allowed that season, and had a lot of good assistants on their team too. Um, in addition to Arians, they had Todd Bowles, who coaches the uh, Bucks now. Uh, yep. Keith Butler, who was on Pittsburgh staff forever as a linebackers coach and defensive coordinator, and Chuck Pagano. So that that is a pretty stacked. Uh assistant coach lineup like it's pretty good and i feel like in this year if you're a browns fan you're like oh this isn't our year to like go but this is this is our year to like to show that like next year is going to be awesome this is our year to show that we're back yes not we're not making in the super bowl but we're a playoff team and we're we're only going to get better yes that's the thing is you can see the the level that you're like next year we're going to improve here we're going to improve there and then they're the browns and then oh are they the brownsiest of browns in this game the Steelers uh, this year, they win the NFC North. They're both in the same division um, still, actually. 
Um, they're a year removed from an AFC title game loss to New England where video equipment was used. Um, it's okay. a horrible start to the season. For, it's a horrible start to the season for them. They get ass-blasted in New England and then ass-blasted at home by the Raiders, who eventually went on to the Super Bowl that year. And then they start 1-3 after losing in New Orleans um, to a Kyle Turley-led... No, yeah, Saints team. This is his last year there. But in week four, where they get their first win is actually against the Browns. And in that game, Cordell Stewart... The experiment was thankful... Oh, thank God the experiment was over, Chris. They ended it to American hero Tommy Maddox. So Maddox takes over. He comes in the... He has not started a game in a decade. He is the Angels in the outfield Mel Clark of quarterbacks. That's pretty good. That's probably the most accurate assessment I've ever heard in my entire life. Thank you. Maddox comes in and really turns their season he around. leads them to a second-half comeback and then an overtime win against Cleveland. And then the, um, in this game, though, and I'll get into it when I get into their special teams, um, well, let's just say things get crazy, uh, Bob Ross style. But after the New Orleans game, they reel off four in a row, um, beat Cincinnati, stomp Monday on – Indy on Monday night football with a great ground attack and then beat Baltimore and Cleveland again. And then they have an insane game against Atlanta, which ends in a 34 to 34 tie. Michael Vick went the overtime ended with Plexico Burris catching a hail Mary at the one yard line. Yep. It was absolutely nuts. Unfortunately, Maddox later in the season is hurt with a spinal injury in Tennessee, but Stewart comes in and actually, leads them to two wins against Cincinnati and later Jacksonville, where Jeff Reed, their new kicker, because Todd Peterson was so awful, and that stadium remains the hardest to kick in in the NFL, kicked six field goals, I believe. And then they lose a bizarre game to the Tech. This was one of the funnest, gut-wrenching, up-and-down seasons I've ever seen for this franchise. Because literally, like at one point, you're like, we're making the playoffs. No, we're not. Our quarterback's injured. Oh, shit. Our kicker's gone. Like It, it, it really is not even like a rebuilding. It's It almost feels like it's about to fall apart. Everything could have fallen apart. It's like it's a juxtaposition between Hello Darkness, Mild Friend, and Randy Marsh after Obama becomes president. That's the only way I can describe my emotions. I thought this was America. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a communist country. They lost to the expansion Texans 24 to 6 that season in a game where Houston gained less than 100 yards on offense. This is how bizarre it was, but they ended up winning their final 3 against the Panthers. They asked they just destroyed Tampa Bay defensively 17 to 7 in a game on Monday Night Football. Um, and that was actually Tampa's last loss of the season. And then they won uh 34 to 31 in Baltimore to clinch the AFC North um uh at 10-5 and 1. Uh, like I said, Maddox was the former XFL MVP of you know, as a great player in the Arena League after leaving the NFL the first time. Uh, over 2,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, NFL Comeback Player of the Year. The running game wasn't just Jerome Bettis, though, this season. People thought he was done after this year. Their main star was Amos Zaraway with 762 rush yards, four touchdowns, and 42 catches for him. He had over 1,100 all-purpose, and you had... Also, Chris Fuamatu Maafala in that backfield. I mean, you had Cordell Stewart running it. Oh, God, I miss those days, Chris. I was going to say, it was a lot of shared work where 
it was almost like plays were straight up designed for those players, and that's why I think it was so efficient. Yep. Where you're like, oh, this is a bounce to the outside. You know what I mean? Like it, it was such a it, up the middle. We'll give it to bet. Like it, it was such a good. I feel like coaching, and yeah. you, you didn't bring up their assistance where they had Danny Glover. They had Danny Glover. They had this little kid who was looking for his dad. They had another little kid who couldn't see angels but looked adorable in an angel's uniform. But gosh darn it, did he believe. He believed. Um, But this was a season I did want to bring up because now that Stewart is not your quarterback and you're very limited in the passing game and you're bringing in a former arena star, you're bringing in someone who knows how to sling the rock – this was the first year they went from ground and pound to actual and aerial assault, and they had the players to do it. And I feel like the, it made them versatile. I matched for the first time in a decade. I was I, that season. I was like, "What sport am I watching?" Yeah, now? I this bet, is enjoyable watching every like all the other. You're just like, "All right, three yards a, in a cloud of here's, dust here's, to here's, excitement." Here's another three and a half. Heinz Ward made the Pro Bowl, uh, 112 catches, 1,300-plus yards, 12 touchdowns. Burris was awesome, 1,300-plus receiving yards, 7 touchdowns. And rookie Antoine randall Oh, yeah. Because this, this was the franchise that brought in Stewart, a former college quarterback, and played in multiple positions. randall was an All-American in quarterback at, at quarterback at Indiana, just went to the NFL as a receiver because he was that much of an athlete. That, yes. Um, that year he had 489 receiving yards and two touchdowns, and they got some Terrence Mathis towards the end of his career peppered in. Um, great uh, offensive line with Hardings, uh, Kendall Simmons, uh, Marvell Smith at right tackle, Wayne Gandy at left, and our boy Alan Fanica. Listen to that episode. They're all pro left guard. Uh, eighth in points per game, which was not necessarily their forte. Um, special teams, Randall L. was just absolutely awesome as a kick and punt returner. Um, Jeff Reed provided some steadiness um, as their kicker. And then uh, Tom Ruin ended up being their punter at the end of the year because Josh Miller got hurt and kind of ended up struggling a bit in the playoffs. Uh, Defensively, this is not the Steelers that I grew up watching because their front seven was really good, but their back end was just god-awful this year. They were liable to get eaten alive as far as their pass defense. They were 20th in pass yards allowed. Uh, I mean, up front, you had you know the same cast of characters, Von Olhoff and Smith and Hampton that won them so many games um, throughout the 2000s. Uh, linebackers were great. Joey Porter and Clark Hagens were fantastic. Porter, I think, was all pro that season with Kendrell Bell and James Ferrier, who is the reason Holmes is playing for Cleveland right now. They picked him up in free agency. But their secondary was not reliable. That's really what it came – because the yeah. run defense was, but they could always kind of get beat over the middle or – Over know the what top I, yeah, or over in the, the quick passing game. Yep. Like with Brady and New were, England. There were, yeah, there were holes. Gannon in Oakland. Yes, there were definitely holes that were easily taken advantage of, and that's kind of what we see with going into this game. Their cornerbacks, when they were winning their last Super Bowls, had hands of complete stone. Chad Scott and Dwayne Washington were great cover corners who could catch the ball, but they could also get beat deep like nobody's business. You had an aging uh, Lee Flowers and then Brent Alexander at safety. It's kind of a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And because talent wins out a lot, they won 10 games this year. And they get to host the playoff game against the six-seeded Browns. It's 3-6. And... 
It's a very cold and snowy day I, at Heinz Field. I love these type of playoff games because they're almost like they're not like any other game. Divisional game, yeah. D- oh, divisional they're great. Game yeah, in the snow between two cold weather teams, two teams who are like a stone's throw away, where like it's brother versus brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's that. Those are the kind of like the beginning, like the beginning of the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yep. Where th- that's where you feel you're like, ooh, oh shit, and here then we go. Pre-game Joey Porter Porter already as he often did it. was already getting into it with Brant Boyer and the Browns. Uh so I missed the first scoring drive of this game. I was at a friend's house the night before. I woke up late, got back home, looked at the scoreboard and saw seven to zero and I thought, I'm not that late, am I? I looked at the clock and said Oh, sweet Jesus. Yes. Franzia time. So Cleveland gets the ball first. Uh, they're facing a third and 14 due to a delay of game penalty and William Green not finding any running room then and all day long. <laughs> but on third and 14, Kelly Holcomb, not Tim Couch, but Kelly fucking Holcomb, throws an 83-yard pass to Johnson to get them down to the one. Well, this is why I feel like their receiving core was so good, where you didn't know necessarily where, where it was going to go, and you didn't need the best quarterback. And the shitty part for Pittsburgh was Scott, who was their best cornerback, is out for this game. Oh, yeah. A guy who's shorter than me, Hank Poteet, is playing corner. He was a special teams, a good special teams player. But when you're on defensive unit number one, you're going to get eaten alive. And Green ends up running it in from the one for a touchdown to go up seven to zero. Steelers get the ball, two zero way runs, net him six yards, but a lang sack forces him to go three and out. Cleveland decides let's not pass the ball on this drive. Let's run William Green three times against three of the best 3-4 linemen in the AFC. Two total yards and a punt. Well, you could see their run defense domination. And then you see these other holes where it's like, oh, Jesus. You're just like, why? Why is this happening? But like... Thank you, Bruce Arians. I yeah. guess you should have never taken your foot off the gas. Holcomb should have thrown however many plays you had. You should have thrown it that many times. Yes. Um, Pittsburgh gets the ball back um, on their own seven after a good guard docky punt. Zero way nets them their first first down with 10 yards up the gut. Burris has two catches for 22 yards and 11 yards, but they only managed to stall out at the Browns 45 and punt. Cleveland gets the ball. So they're just trading possessions, essentially, back and forth. Um, Cleveland gets the ball to the 37. Uh, Northcutt has a nice 12-yard catch. But uh, Holcomb's sacked by James Ferrier, and they're forced to punt. And then this is where you're thinking the wheels might start falling off for Pittsburgh on this next drive because they're moving the ball. Zeroway has a great 35-yard run to the Cleveland 23. Unfortunately, Maddox throws a horrible interception to uh, Dalen McCutcheon at basically the goal line, and he has this weird cutback across the field run to get him out of there to the Cleveland 31. And I think Maddox tried to force it in because in that first game against the Browns, he had thrown a touchdown to Ward on the exact same play. Oh, yeah. Well, you look at it because as a Steelers fan, I bet you're like, because this is just the way you feel. It's just like, this is going to be my day. 
get to the red zone and throw an interception. Oh. Like, it, it's it's very much like we were saying, like demoralizing when this is the way the fucking game kind of starts, you know? Yeah, no, it was very crappy. Uh, and they were frenzy a deep. Yeah, I was, I was not thrilled, Chris. Yeah, I was not thrilled. Uh, Cleveland has a third and 13 at their own 28, and they end up having to punt on their next possession. Unfortunately for the Steelers, Randall L. muffs the punt, and he was one of the best punt returners from his rookie season till the end of his career. Muffs it, Browns recover at the Pittsburgh 32, and on the first effing play, it's a bomb to Northcutt for another freaking touchdown. Which, so when you look at some of these plays, you're like, why wasn't that just the play? Yeah. Why? I'm not trying to be a dick, but like, why weren't we just going over the top every they single time? They couldn't cover him the whole. The, not only no, they couldn't cover any of the goddamn receivers the entire game. Yeah, yeah. Run one, run one running play, and then play action it for the rest of the game. Like, yeah, yeah. We're gonna run. Remember, remember that one time we yeah, did it. Yeah, remember that one time we did it, and he was eaten alive and beaten mercilessly. Oh, jeez. Oh, god. Uh, Pittsburgh gets the ball back. They're having a good-looking drive. Two big catches by Ward for 13-19, and 19, and then get the ball to the Cleveland 25, and you're thinking, okay, we're still in it. Just, you know, even a field goal here, you're just letting them know you're hanging around. And then Maddox gets picked off again by McCutcheon. He gets picked off again. Let me say this, because it'll come back later where he doesn't get picked off. Oh, the second half is uh, erotic. That's all I'm saying. It is wild because when you look at both halves, you're like, oh, yeah, he could have been intercepted like six times. Oh, he should have been intercepted like nine times. It's crazy because in this first half, he is getting intercepted. In the second half, they are barely missing it. And thank God for that because, like I said, nine times. makes (laughs) Makes it so good. So the second quarter, Cleveland has the ball. They have a quick three and out because they decide, William Green, you should get the ball two more times. It's crazy. Uh, They end up punting. They end up having to punt early in the second quarter. And this time, Randall L. catches the ball and sends me into a goddamn frenzy because he catches it on one knee. The punt return team blocks the play beautifully. They block it so beautifully. Randall L doesn't even really make one cut. He just picks a lane and shoots his ass up the field. Yep. Hat on a hat, goes right down the sideline. I don't even know if somebody touched him on and that play. And it's straight up north south like he doesn't go east west. That's like no. That's, it's crazy. And he was very fast. Yes. 66-yard punt return to put him down 14-7. to To me, that saved the whole game. Because if Cleveland had even kicked a field goal after that, you're mm-hmm. thinking, my God. Um, Cleveland gets the ball back. Morgan gets a nice 15-yard catch. Johnson a 14. See what happens when you throw the ball, Chris? Yeah, once they start airing it out just a tiny bit. <laughs> so get to the Pittsburgh 40. And on third and one at the 36, they're in... Kind of the end of Dawson's range. He never had the biggest leg, but he was super accurate. They say on third and one, hey, I've got a great idea. Let's hand the ball off here. And Kendrell Bell lights the fuck up out of William Green. Yes. Minus four yards. It's at the 40. Now they're out of field goal range. You took points off the board, or at least potential points. Well, especially with how well the passing game was working, and like you said, just a loss of a loss of yards in that play 
takes you out of field goal range. I'm not saying you need to even air it out. No, but it's just bootleg yeah, throw a it little or dumper. just a quick just a quick slant. Yeah. You don't need or a screen or something. Any yeah. Seriously. Something small that <laughs> that the Steelers aren't set up to destroy. And that's what they did. That's what they did. Uh, Pittsburgh gets the ball. They can't do anything. Uh, Alvin McKinley has a good sack, which basically forces a three and out. Uh, Cleveland uh, now with the ball. A 29-yard pass to Johnson, 17 yards to White. They get down to the Pittsburgh 19. And what do they do? Oh, no. Let's give it to William Green to lose three. This is the brownsiest of Browns games, Chris. Well, they really should have ran away with this game multiple times or at least made a bigger distance between them in this time. And I feel like they just made – I mean, Bruce made wrong calls. I, I But it was just – it was bizarre because they end up getting down inside the 10-yard line and on third down – they run a trick play to Northcutt. Oh, yeah. They give him the ball for a throwback to Holcomb in the end zone. Joey Porter has absolutely none of it and just destroys him, which forces Cleveland to kick a field goal, which is fine, but it's 17-7, to and there's only 53 seconds in the half. But this was an important drive for the Steelers because this is when Maddox finally gets into some sort of a rhythm, which we'll see down the road. Hits Burris for 20 yards, Mathis for 15, Ward for six. They end up getting it down to the 29. Unfortunately, Reed misses the field goal. And this just wasn't a kicker day unless you're kicking the ball close. Yep. Like, this isn't a day where you're kicking 45-plus yard field goals. It's a, it's a shitty, snowy day. I can't explain it more than that. So it's just not a day for field goals. And this it's is a day for thing. passing. This is the other thing is they shouldn't be – the passing game shouldn't be working so well. But, man, well, was no. it. To me, and I've heard NFL quarterback, even Tom Brady has talked about this. Games like that are hell on defenses for pass defense because quarterbacks know exactly where the ball is going to go. Oh, yeah. Defenders don't. They're playing in Heinz Field, very shitty. Low visibility. Low visibility. If you know where you're going with it, and even Brady has said this, I felt comfortable playing in games like this. So. It, while you'd think it would be a disadvantage to passing, it's really not. It's more of a disadvantage to running, especially if teams are telegraphing exactly what they're going to do. Oh, yeah. So we come out of the halftime, down 17-7. to Steelers get the ball. A couple zero-way runs get nine, and on third down, Bettis is lit up in the backfield by Rudd, and they got a punt after a three and out, which was very inspiring to my 15-year-old <laughs> self. I was... I was an absolute mess that day, Chris. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland gets the punt, and Northcutt takes it 59 effing yards down the sideline of the Pittsburgh 14. So you're thinking, all right, now this game's going to be over. It's third and 11 after an incomplete Shin and Green losing a yard because, hey, let's keep running that ball, Chris. Mm-hmm. And then Holcomb says, you know what? Let's try a pass here. I'm going to throw a pass bang your way and see where this goes. Northcut open, touchdown, 15 yards, 24 to 7. With 12 17 in the third quarter, 27 17 left in the season. And now we start with a Pittsburgh Steelers tradition. It started today, mm-hmm. back in 2003 in this playoff game. The PA announcer decides to play the stick song Renegade to fire up the crowd and fire up the team. 
Renegade, if you're not familiar, was the song Billy Madison was getting trashed to after finding out that the principal lied about him cheating his way through elementary school. Really wish they would have played other Sticks songs, though, which would have been more comical, like Lady, Mr. Roboto, Come Sail Away. But Renegade's cool. Renegade's cool. Well, do you think cool. he looked over to some intern and he goes, you know what this crowd needs? And he goes, what? Sticks. And he goes, you mean like chopsticks? Who, who are you talking about? And he goes, Lady of the morning. Domo Arigato. And now, obviously, today, whenever they need a defensive stop in the second half, usually the fourth quarter, they will play it with like a montage of basically some of the greatest players. Yeah, just a, an orgasmic montage of defensive football it's hard that we to don't keep see. Dom from popping when he sees it or hear that song. It is. It's kind of. It's his desperado. I have a problem. <laughs> Cheryl Miller's brother plays basketball. I keep trying to talk to him during <laughs> Renegade. He's like, shh, 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 shh. Oh, Chris, that Desperado reference that got me. So, what do they proceed to do after Renegade's played? They go three and out. <laughs> Two Maddox incompletions. Cleveland gets the ball back. They have a good looking drive here a 16 yard catch by Campbell, 15 by Morgan. And then a roughing the passer on Mike Logan uh, on Holcomb uh, saves him from a third and nine at the Pittsburgh 42. And a field goal likely wins it here with time ticking away. You're up 20 points. Then at second and 15 at the Pittsburgh 32, Holcomb throws probably his really only bad pass of the game. And this is This is the most important play of the game, in my opinion. I was just going to say, this is really where the momentum changes. Because, like you said, if they put any more points on the board, it's almost out of reach. Not to where it's impossible. Obviously, we just talked about this other game that had... But, but the, the time men- and conditions. The time, the menta- the conditions, and the mentality where they just have not been getting anything going offensively. Maddox has been throwing a lot of bad, bad passes. Um, but we see this interception by the Steelers, and Mike it really Logan. changes... It was renegade. I'm sorry. It was renegade. It was, it it's was, always uh, renegade. It wasn't the interception. They went three and out, but they could feel it on the sideline. They were like, come on, guys, for sticks. And they're like, for sticks? For sticks? <laughs> for sticks. Probably the only time that's ever been uttered. We're doing it for we got to do it for Johnny. we got to do it for sticks, <laughs> man. Do it for sticks, man. So they take advantage with 735 left in the quarter. Two completions to uh, Jeremy Tooman, net him 15. And then on third and one, Randall L. has a nice five-yard catch to extend the drive. Um, two to Ward, gets 12 yards. And then a 24-yarder to Randall L., who was probably the MVP on offense for this game. Um, second and six, uh, uh, second and goal at the six. Uh, Maddox hits Burris on a, gr- with a great catch in the back of the end zone. Before he sh- shot himself. Before he shot, he, he should have been a Hall of Famer if that didn't cost him those seasons. Uh Twenty-four to fourteen, three fifty-nine left. Uh, Cleveland says we don't care. <laughs> we could pass the ball too. Uh, Davis has a forty-three-yard catch to get down to the Pittsburgh fifteen. But by this point, Cleveland has used their last two second-half timeouts for challenges. One for challenge. One and, for challenge, and, and one then, for a timeout. And one for a timeout. And it's third and goal at the six. There's an incompletion to White, but Dawson gets him a field goal to make it 27-14. Start of the fourth quarter, you're down 13 points. You're still in it, but you, every time you touch the ball, you have to score. I was going to say, they, they, have, they can't have a, 
a missed possession. Yeah, like no more three and outs, no more nothing. Even read field goals, that's okay, but you need touchdowns. Yep. Um, this is when Maddox just goes nuts. I mean, I will never forget this fourth quarter because it was just like I just remember sitting on my couch in my boxers going. Is it fucking real? Like <laughs> he's doing it. He's doing it. He's living up to all those John Elway replacement. Go listen to that episode, Expectations. So on this drive, five plays, 65 yards. Maddox went four for four. Um, he had zero way and with one zero way run for seven yards. 20 and 30 yard catches from Randall L. Um, then he gets another six um, down to the uh, Cleveland three and then finds Tooman in the end zone to make it 27 to 21. You probably don't know this, but that's when they started the four for four at Wendy's. That's when, the, yeah, four for four. And that's what they call it. They call Bring it the, back the baked potato, you bastards. Oh, my God. Can we just divulge into that for 20 minutes? Can we? Um, I'm down. <laughs> then I'm going to get all horned up talking about this game and baked potatoes. Renegade <laughs> kicks on, a baked potato comes in, it'll be. <laughs> Yeah, but Maddox, and this is when I feel like the young, crowd gets back into young it too. Dom Steelers get back. Like the fans are like, "Oh, this is a comeback that could happen." And if there is any franchise in the NFL that blows playoff games in fashions like these, it is the Cleveland Browns. Yep. But to Cleveland's credit, on their this is the one that broke me. Like there was something in my brain that broke me on this drive. Northcutt gets eighteen. Green, 23 on the ground. His only good run of the entire... So finally it worked. Yeah, one, one, yes. one time. One time. Get to the Pittsburgh 22. The defense forces them into a third and 12, and you're thinking, okay, well, if they kick a field goal, you're down nine. It's just a touchdown and a field goal. Holcomb finds effing Davis to make it 33-21. to 21. And at that point, I thought, there's 10-25 left, but I'm thinking, okay, it's over. I well, can get back to my normal life again. I feel like this comeback was so – it was such a great comeback because the, the Browns did keep scoring on into the third and into the fourth. And multiple times you're like, ah, all right, all right. It was a good run like this right here. There's a shot of Northcutt on the sideline in NFL films where I think it's after this play where he says, we're going to Oakland. Yes, yes. We're going to Oakland. After this, after yeah. this score because it was like – Got a little rocky, and then they're like, no, 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 this is ours, and then... It's in hand. And they go for two, but an incompletion to Morgan, so it's only 33-21. to Steelers are down 12, and they're still 10-20. That was kind of Cleveland's problem, is they would get these chunk plays and take no time off the clock. Yeah, because they couldn't run it for shit. Um, Pittsburgh gets the ball back. Uh, Pass to Fuamatu Ma'afala, gets him a first down, but a sack by Orpheus Roy destroys the drive... And there's 8.46 left. Cleveland gets the ball. White has a four-yard catch to move the sticks. Uh, two green runs get him seven, but an incomplete... See, this is the drive where I thought Cleveland should have just gone for the jugular. Yep. You're up 12. Just get it into field goal range, and you pretty much have it sealed. They force the punt with 5.37 to go. Pittsburgh gets the ball back on its own 23, and on third and 10, Mathis saves the day with a 14-yard catch to move the sticks. Fumatu Maafala gets him 10, Mathis gets 11, but a sack by Rudd was negated, or a sack by um, Cleveland was negated by a defensive holding penalty on Rudd, yep. which gives you an automatic, the offense an automatic first down, which completely bailed Pittsburgh's nuts out of the fire. Because that should have been, I mean, 
their turnover. For all intents and purposes, that was a game. Yes. Um, but get the ball ba- or get the ball back or move the sticks. Mathis gets him a six yard catch, but an incompletion to Ward. You thought, oh, this is terrible. He almost gets decapitated by Robert Griffith, which gets him 15 extra yards. The Browns self-destructed. I was just going to say that play, they probably would have called targeting and ejected him from the game. Oh, yeah. Because he lays into him, but they still get 15 yards. But you're right, where the Browns really shit themselves. And they're starting to play prevent defense. (laughs) But at this point, Fazio is running a lot of prevent defense. Yes. And... That's the worst thing you can do for an immobile quarterback like Maddox. You need to get up the field and harass his ass and not have not a clean stand pocket. Back and, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the penalty helps him get down the field. Ward gets 12. And then on second and goal at the five-yard line, Ward makes one of his patented goal line plays where it's in traffic and he drags people into the end zone for a touchdown. Five-yard TD catch. Score, kick the extra point with Reed, and then there's 3:11 left on the clock, and they're down 33 to 28. And man, is it a beautiful disaster! Oh my, I was I was so nervous before this drive, Chris. I was so nervous because they need a quick stop. They can't. Well, obviously they can't let them run the ball because they can't run the ball. But like that's what this like as a Steelers fan, you're like, oh. We actually have a shot right here. Well, they have two timeouts and the two-minute warning. So, like, I remember doing the calculation in my head going, you can give up one first down. Yep. But a three and out would be nice, but you can only give up one first down. You can give up down. one, yeah. So, green goes three yards. Seavers call a timeout. Then they throw an incompletion to Morgan, which stops the clock. Yep. So, it's third and seven. Then they have a delay of game, which makes it third and 12. So, they're... Penalties just killed them in this game. Which, if you if you really look at both of these games in the wild card that we came up with, the penalties or the not offsetting penalties kill them because either in that drive or this one, especially if they just backed off of one of those, it yeah, would've... it wouldn't have ended the way that it did. Yeah. And then on third and twelve, Dennis Northcutt is streaking towards the sidelines, and there is not a soul on him for whatever goddamn there is not a soul near him it was a huge missed coverage holcomb throws him a great ball just a pitch and catch ball he's like three four yards down the sticks and there's nobody around him so he could have easily turned it up into pittsburgh territory and ice the game he drops it he just completely it's one of the it's He's like the shocky play. Yeah. Yeah. He almost just too easy. He drops yep. the ball and Pittsburgh doesn't need to use a timeout. Mm-hmm. Because it's another incomplete pass. So now they have timeout, two minute warning, three and out. Two forty two left. They have a timeout and the two minute warning. And they get the ball back and Maddox has finally started heating up. They get the ball back at their own thirty nine, two thirty five left after the punt. Burris nets him 24. The prevent defense is not working. Well, let me say this, though. Hold on, hold on. Because this was the drive I was referencing where there were two passes that were almost accepted. Oh, yeah. Like, exactly. Literally, because the prevent defense, like, we're talking shit on it now, but there were two passes guy makes that the were catch, yeah. so close to being intercepted that you were, I bet the, young Dom was like, oh, that's my first heart attack. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I had plenty more. That would be a baker's dozen for me, Chris. That's correct. <laughs> 
Incompletion to Burris. Ward gets 10. Burris another 17. And they're already at the Cleveland 10. <laughs> yeah, they march they just They just cut through them like a hot knife through butter. Maddox really does. I mean, if, if you watch that march down, it... it I bet they because sometimes you're like you march down and you're like oh we went too fast you know what oh, I mean yeah you're leaving I time on the clock and and you're yeah. just like oh shit like it's a it's a strategy man uh, pass to Ward gets them down to the three they use their last timeout with uh, 58 seconds left yep um, then they decide to call a very smart play but neither Bettis or Zeroway's in. It's Fuamatu Maafala, just like the old NFL primetime Berman's like, he's a bad Maafala. <laughs> and then Tom Jackson's like, shut your mouth. They call a draw. Cleveland complete. He's not even touched. He walks into the end yes. zone on this play. I lose my complete and total shit. 34 to 33. And the two-point conversion is even more exciting. So this is pre-Wildcat, but because Randall L. played quarterback in college and Mike Malarkey, their offensive coordinator, was very creative with the way that he used Stewart. He puts Randall L. in at quarterback. They send Heinz Ward in motion. Randall L. rolls out after taking the snap, and then he finds Tooman in the end zone for a two-point conversion. So you're up three. So you're up three. You're up three. Really think Cleveland was wishing they had those timeouts back? Yes. And this is where... The challenge that because I remember the burst the, challenge, the burst challenge. The announcer said it. He just goes, "Oh, that might come into play later." <laughs> and it's really interesting because it really does. Where you need those timeouts oh, they're gonna, at the end. They're going to need at least one on this drive. Which is yep. So they get the they b- didn't have it, and they, they really it. needed it. They really needed it. Uh, they get the ball on their own twenty-four. Johnson catches one for fourteen. Then an incompletion. White ends up getting him seven. Northcutt gets another 10, and then on third and five, they get it all the way to the Pittsburgh 45. Holcomb spikes the ball with eight seconds left. I'm about to have a heart attack. There is an empty bag on the floor. Holcomb drops back to pass, and he gets King for 16 down to the Pittsburgh 24. He's wide open. Pittsburgh's playing prevent, but they know they have no timeouts left. Just cover the field and make sure they don't get out of bounds. Make sure they don't get out of bounds. He's desperate to get he's out of bounds. He's desperate to get. <laughs> he's like he's desperate, like fifteen-year-old Dom is desperate to touch a boob. He's scratching and clawing his way after kind of tripping, and he gets out of bounds. Unfortunately, because of the time it took between the snap, the read, the throw and catch, time runs out. Time on runs Cleveland out. So before he, Cleveland before the field goal. So it, it's the what happens because when you're watching it, you're like. If you're a Browns fan, you're like, he got out of bounds. He got out of bounds. If you're a Steeler fan, you're like, time ran out. Game over, man. Game over. Uh, And it caps, I feel like, the best um, comebacks you'll ever see in a wild card. So, like, both of them together. You know what I mean? In one year, one day, it was just, like, everything you want to start the playoffs. I bet you the guys in San Francisco, because this was the Sunday games, because the first two games on Saturday were absolute blowouts. Yep. I bet you the announcers in the San Francisco game were probably like, (laughs) no way we're topping that one. Yeah, seriously, though. And then the thing that I actually really love, because going into this game, the Browns were looked at as like, oh, this is our rebuild. We're about to have a great franchise. And the Steelers were almost looking like, oh, shit could could be the end. Shit could like really go bad for the next couple of years. And then the franchises went in, in two completely different directions. Well, 2003... 
<laughs> you got somebody. They, well, what happens is the Browns decide after this game where Holcomb threw for 450 yards or so, there's going to be a quarterback competition between yep. him and Couch, and that just destroyed everything they had working for them. The team got hurt. All the momentum. All the momentum. They had a tough year. 2003, same for the Steelers, because they but, were throwing the ball, but their pass defense was shit, and they had injuries all over. But then you see the Steelers kind of got their shit together, in, and you just well, never see the Browns. In 2004, there was a quarterback from Miami of Ohio. I think the Browns were picking fifth, and the Steelers were picking 11th. All right. The Browns said, oh, no, let's take a convicted grandmother rapist, Kellen Winslow Jr., over someone in our own backyard and have him go to our division rival who will destroy us for 20 years. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I was going to say, that's just one that you got to thank the Browns on that one. It's the Browns. Oh, man. They really browns that one up. Yeah. They're the brownsiest bunch of browns you've ever browns. Oh, sorry. My damn wiener kids are listening. <laughs> We're not wieners. No, but essentially, yeah, that tanked Cleveland until they got their revenge two years ago yes. in Pittsburgh. But we weren't going to talk about that. I'll talk yeah. about it. I'm comfortable <laughs> enough now. Time has passed. Time has passed. Thank but, you all very yes. much. Uh, come to our live uh, podcast at the screening room if you're in Tucson. Tickets are on sale now. Thank you.